Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. God bless you, and thank you for joining me today. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and welcome to you. Today, we're going to be in Lesson 42 of our Beauty of Grace series as we look at this topic, the calculation of grace. The calculation of grace. After learning so much deep truth about grace thus far and seeing how the agent of grace empowers us to be his witnesses and we testify of his confession of grace, the truth of the gospel about Jesus, we now move on into looking at what I call the calculation of grace. What do I mean by this? Calculation is the process of using some sort of mathematical process, etc., to arrive at a value. This is done by using addition, subtraction, multiplication, division, algebraic equations, etc. The concern in math is arriving at the correct value using the right formula or prescription method, etc. It's weighing the value of something, weighing the value of something. When we look at this in light of our Christian life and grace, I'd like to consider the calculation of grace in this way. And I want us to see what I mean by this in terms of weighing the value of something. Math deals with finite numbers which then can lead on the number line to infinite amounts. But basic math uses one, two, three, regular numbers, whole numbers, etc. Finite and definitive numbers that carry an inherent value in determining worth or rating something. We too are finite mortal beings in this life. As a matter of fact, this life is finite on this earth. Now, when we believe in Jesus Christ, we have an infinite eternity ahead for us with the Lord in his presence. Those who do not believe in Jesus also have an eternity ahead for them, but it is in the place of torment in hell forever, the lake of fire forever, according to scripture. So this is one of the reasons that we make the confession of grace, that we follow the Great Commission, that we reach as many as we can, because we want you to believe and to have infinite eternity with our Lord, just like we have that promise. But in this life, we are finite beings. In this life, we have a determined amount of time to be here. And when that day comes, when that moment comes, then we enter into eternity based on the choice that we made, whether we will believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be born again and saved, whether our name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life or whether it is not because we rejected Jesus Christ. Whichever choice we've made, when death knocks on our door and we pass from this life, we are then in whatever our eternal destiny is, and there's no going back. 
There's no such thing as purgatory or second chances or none of that at that point. So it's what matters is what we have and what we do in this life. Now, I don't mean have in terms of possessions. None of those are going with us. But I do mean how do we weigh the value of every day we're given? How do we weigh our time, our finite time on this earth, knowing that that day is coming soon? No matter if you're 20 or if you're 40 or if you're 65, it doesn't matter. We are all on a continuum and there is a finite number of days that we've been given. And every one of those, we need to determine the correct value of. Because we are finite mortal beings in this life. God gave us an intrinsic value in who he made us and in how he made us. What he crafted us to be. Our job, as we've discussed in earlier episodes, is to find our service and then do it faithfully as a steward who will give an account to the Lord. We've discussed that in many episodes prior. Now we look at the impetus and the reasons for why this matters and the compulsion, the compelling motivation to pursue it. In earlier lessons, we talked about our callings and our service in the body of Christ We talked about the importance of the fruit that remains being the goal, according to John 15, 16. We talked about God's all-sufficient grace that empowers us. We talked about how God grants us courage to be his witnesses as needed. And we have the confession to testify to the truth of Jesus as his witnesses. Moving into the calculation of grace We address not only the why, but also the when. Let's look first at Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, There your heart will be also. This reminds us to invest in eternal things, things that will last, the fruit that will remain, the heavenly treasures, constantly, intentionally, and resolvedly. We need to be doing this on an ongoing basis. Every decision, every moment that we are spending We need to be weighing its value in terms of eternal things, constantly, intentionally, and resolvedly, making it our priority to follow Jesus, to do what matters in the long run, in eternity. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, it says this, If then you were raised with Christ, Seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Verse 2, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. And then in Hebrews 12, 2, it tells us to be fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who is seated in the heavens. And let us not get caught up in this world. That's what these things are teaching us. Don't get caught up in this world. 
because this world is not our home. We are on our way home. We are pilgrims passing through here. We don't need to be attached to anything in this world. We need to hold everything in this life loosely as far as material possessions, money, etc. Because none of that matters in the end. What matters are people and investing in heavenly treasures. And we do that, as we've seen before, by investing in what passes from earth to heaven. And that is people, the souls of people. That's why the impetus of spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ is so important. Because as we mentioned earlier, every one of us are finite. Every single person that is breathing right now, every single one of you hearing me right now, you have a appointed day where it will be your time to die. Unless you happen to be one of those who will go up in the rapture and be alive at that point. But every single person passes through the door of death in this life. We all are finite and we have to recognize that every day matters and every day that passes, we're one day closer to whatever that day is. And we don't know when that day is. So we need to not get caught up in this world. Paul told Timothy in Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Ouch, we don't like that verse, but it's still true and we can't ignore it. Verse 4, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. We discussed being a soldier in an earlier episode when we talked about warfare and, and the armor of God that God has provided for us in other episodes and in other series. But also notice this, his focus here is not only on the fact that we are soldiers, and God has suited us with a full suit of armor to make it through this life and to be an overcomer. But also he's telling Timothy here, do not be entangled with the world. Don't be held and engrasped by the world. Don't be enraptured in worldly things. Money, pursuing money, pursuing fame, pursuing wealth, pursuing possessions, whatever it may be. Pursuing your rise on the corporate ladder. Pursuing having all kinds of friends, being popular. Whatever it may be, don't be focused on things of this world. Don't get entangled on those. Our instruction in scripture is to keep the main thing, the main thing. Evaluate our priorities and make sure that our priorities are where they should be. The calculation of grace reminds us to redeem whatever time left that we have. And because we don't know that, we need to be cautious about redeeming every moment. Every person has only one life to live. There's no such thing as reincarnation. That is a lie from the pit of hell. And do not believe that. Do not fall into that evil deception. Every person alive has only one life to live. Hebrews tells us it's appointed to man once to, to die and after that the judgment. 
There's no coming back. There's no second chance as something else or somebody else. We each have one life to live. And in that life, every one of us have an unknown duration of days. And in each of those days, every one of us has only 24 hours in that day. Period. That's just the truth for every one of us. Our responsibility is to redeem whatever time we have, not to waste it, to find and attribute its value. In Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 15, it says this, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. This word redeeming the time is talking about to rescue it from loss or misapplication. Think about that and let that sink in for a moment. To rescue it from loss or misapplication. To rescue it from either being just wasted and lost and where'd the time go? And you just realize nothing was really accomplished in that day or in that hour or in that week. The whole thing was just kind of wasted. And you go back and you evaluate it and you go, man, I just lost it all. I wasted it all. That's loss. Or to rescue it from misapplication as well is what this means. Misapplication would be using it wrongly. If you go on down in that context, he says in verse 17 and 18, for instance, therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. In other words, the will of the Lord is that we redeem the time, that we use it as a good steward because we are given time, talents, and treasures. And we will give an account of every one of those. So he's saying, understand the will of the Lord is that you redeem those things and you be a good steward of every one of those things. Then he gives a good example. He says, and do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. In other words, he's saying one example of misapplying your time is in drinking, getting drunk and, and just wasting it away, using it wrongly. He says, instead of doing that, be filled, continually filled over and over and over with the Holy Spirit. Because guess what? The Holy Spirit is the agent of grace who's going to help you to redeem the time so that you don't lose it or you don't misapply it. The Holy Spirit will keep you awake and alert. The Holy Spirit will lead and guide you in the various decisions you need to make. The Holy Spirit will fill you with the love of Jesus to reach out to somebody else. And in a drunken state, you can't be sensitive to the Holy Spirit like that. So Paul is using an example here. He's saying, don't let things like drunkenness, don't go there. Rather be filled with the Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit guide you. Let the Holy Spirit apply the value that should be to that moment, to that hour, to that day, and redeem it instead. Rescue it. Don't let it slip away. Don't let it be wasted. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, talk about us not neglecting our great salvation, but giving the more earnest heed, not letting it drift away. When I read that, every time I read that, I always think of this. It's almost like you have a boat at a dock, maybe on a lake, 
And maybe it's your lake house. I don't know. And you've got a boat out there. Maybe it's a John boat. Maybe it's some other type of boat, speed boat, whatever. And when you're not using it, you want to tie it down. And you want to tie it very, very securely because what will happen if you don't? If you tie it loosely on that duck and then you go up in your house and you go to sleep or you, you know, have dinner and, and go shopping and then come back and the next morning you get up, you plan on going out to your boat and your boat's gone. What happened to it? Maybe it's 10 feet down in, in the middle of the lake somewhere or whatever. Maybe it's drifted away because it was tied loosely. It wasn't given care when it was put away. It wasn't secured. It was tied loosely. And what happens is the waves of the water, even if they're gentle, eventually will loosen that boat by the, the rocking that those waves will bring whether they're waves from some other boat that has gone by, whether it's the wake of that, whether it's the wake of just the wind moving across the waters or whatever. And so you might go out there the next day or whatever, and that boat is not where you thought it was because it drifted away. So the Bible is telling us in these several places Redeem the time. Don't let it slip away. Don't let it be wasted. Don't let it be misapplied. I want us to read also in Psalm chapter 90, a Psalm of Moses. Moses is writing this, and Moses was a very wise man. And I want us to read verses 1 through 12 in Psalm 90. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Remember that infinite number line that I mentioned earlier? That's what I always think of when I read that verse, from everlasting. In other words, from the number line that, that's infinite going to the left, and from the number line that's infinite going all the way to the right, and unending from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn man to destruction and say, Return, O children of men, for a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past, and like just a watch in the night. It's that quick to God. A thousand years is nothing but like a blink of an eye. It's just like a watch in the night to the Lord. You carry them away like a flood. They are like a sleep. In the morning, they are like grass which grows up. In the morning, it flourishes and grows up. In the evening, it is cut down and withers. For we have been consumed by your anger and by your wrath. You, we are terrified. You have set our iniquities before us, our secret sins, in the light of your countenance. For all our days have passed away in your wrath. We finish our years like a sigh. The days of our lives are 70 years, and if by reason of strength they are 80 years, Yet their boast is only labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Now, please understand here, this is not saying that everybody is going to live to be between 70 and 80 years old. We know that that's not true in this life, and there are multiple reasons for that, none of which we can give necessarily answers as to why some live longer, why some die younger, etc., other than what are brought out in the Word. For instance, 
The word of God promises if you honor your parents for the rest of your days, for all of your days, the Bible comes with a promise with that. That comes with a promise that you will live long on the earth. The Bible also talks about how we can prolong our days through choices we make or shorten our days. So there are other factors involved than just that. But this may be what some call perhaps an average or an estimated average of the days of our lives here on earth. Moses is writing this, but he tells us, he says, even at 70 or 80 years, they're still full of labor and sorrow. And soon we're going to be cut off and fly away. In other words, when you look at that infinite number line that amasses billions of years, potentially, or billions times billions times billions, trillions and quadrillions and whatever else there is in the number line that's infinite. And you take 70 or 80 years compared to, let's say, 10 quadrillion years, it's not even a speck that you could see. You'd have to have a super strong microscope to even see the speck of that amount of time in light of eternity. That's the same thing that Paul was thinking about and remembered when he talked about how the sufferings of our present age are not worthy to be compared to the glories that await us because it's not even a tiny speck that's visible on that infinite period of eternity. Verse 11, who knows the power of your anger for as the fear of you, so is your wrath. Verse 12, so teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So Lord, this is a prayer Moses is praying. Lord, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. The focus in this chapter is God's eternal nature and man's frailty and mortality. In comparison, we require weighing or calculating the day, numbering our days, calculating our days, each and every one, because none of us know when is our very last day. So it's very important that we take this seriously and we apply the calculation of grace. James records it like this in James chapter 4, verse 13 through 16. He says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we'll go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do that, this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So he's telling us also, it's important to calculate or number or weigh the value of each and every day because you do not know when is your last. The psalmist said to teach us to number our days. 
That word number is talking about to weigh them, to allot them, to give them a certain value, assign proper value or weight or direction to every single day individually. Now, I believe we do that several ways. We pray, obviously, because the Lord orders our steps. The Bible tells us the steps of a good man, a man that loves the Lord, that knows him, is ordered by the Lord. So we pray for God's direction over every day. We plan the days. Yes, we can plan. The plans of man are futile when it comes to God's ultimate plan, but he expects us to plan for the future. We purpose them for the Lord. We assign their value to be for God and for his service. We proceed based on the leading of the Holy Spirit of the living God. We talked about that in an earlier episode of this series when we talked about God's prompting spirit, like the GPS that leads us in life. And then we progress. We obey the Spirit of the living God. And we move forward in that day based on what he has led us and given us to do. Now, let's talk about this. Sometimes we can think that this is some grand thing that we have to do. Sometimes we can think that this means that, that the basic things in our lives are not important. We're not saying that at all. That is not true. In other words, it may be that your main task for each and every day is to raise godly children, is to invest in them the word of the living God, to help them know Jesus Christ, understand the Bible, and learn what God would have them to do and help direct them to the Lord and to what he's called for their life. That may be the very thing that you need to weigh your day with, that you need to assign the value to and pour into those children. You do not know what God will do with your children in the future. So pour into them everything you can and don't let anyone discount that for you. That's an important ministry. It's a foundational ministry. Who knew? Who knew? I guarantee you that Billy Graham's mother had no idea who she was raising. And yet how many Millions of people around the globe has that man touched for the kingdom of God. That's just one example. So don't discount the little things in life that you do for the Lord. Because he even said himself, if you give a cup of cold water in his name to someone who is thirsty, you will not lose your reward. So please don't misunderstand what I'm saying, I'm simply saying whatever your purpose is, whatever God has gifted you and crafted you to do, whatever season of life you are in, pour your heart into it for eternal values. Pour everything you can in for the Lord and he will reward you and it will be fruitful with the fruit that remains. So we need to keep on working for our Lord until he calls us home. And that includes each one of us weighing the day, assigning it its proper value for eternal things by investing in heavenly treasures. Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 27, Do not labor for the food which perishes, 
but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. When the disciples came back and he had been at the well with that woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, and he told them, he said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. That's the food which endures to everlasting life that Jesus is talking about here. Doing the will of God that he has put you on this earth to do. Work the plan, not your own plan, but the plan of God. Right up till Jesus comes. Not long before he left, during his ministry, he gave a parable. I want to read it real quick. Now as they heard these things, he spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem and because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. Therefore he said, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. So he called ten of his servants, delivered to them ten minas, and said to them, Do business till I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. And so it was that when he returned, having received the kingdom, he then commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first, saying, Master, your mina has earned ten minas. And he said to him, Well done, good servant, because you were faithful in a very little, have authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Master, your mina has earned five minas. Likewise, he said to him, You also be over five cities. Then another came, saying, Master, here is your mina, which I've put away in a handkerchief. For I feared you, because you're an austere man. You collect what you did not deposit, and reap what you did not sow. And he said to him, Out of your own mouth I will judge you, you wicked servant. You knew that I was an austere man, collecting what I did not deposit, and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank, that at my coming... I might have collected it with interest. And he said to those who stood by, Take the mina from him and give it to him who has ten minas. But they said to him, Master, he has ten minas. For I say to you that to everyone who has will be given, and from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. But bring here those enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them and slay them before me. The point of this parable is teaching about faithfulness, working and occupying until Jesus comes, continuing with our work, investing in heaven, assigning every day its proper value, and being faithful in what God called us to do. And God promises that he rewards our faithfulness. He'll do it over and above. Don't get lax. Don't slack up. Don't devalue your work for the Lord. Don't devalue every day that God gives you. Recognize it as the treasure that it is and as the opportunity that it is. Give yourself wholly to it by calculating each day and assigning it the value that God has for it. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 and 24, it says this, and whatever you do, 
do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. Faithfully fulfill each and every day that he gives you. Don't neglect any. Don't waste any. Don't misapply any. Redeem your time so that you too can hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And rest assured that 1 Corinthians 15, 58 is true. I want to read that as we begin to close. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Your labor is not in vain. Invest your day by calculating and assigning it its proper value and invest every moment in heavenly treasures. Be faithful, know that your labor is fruitful and prepare for future generations. May we take it to heart to calculate every day and weigh it assigning it eternal value and working in that regard for our great coming King. Praise be to God. I pray this has been a blessing to you. And Lord willing, you can join us for future episodes of our Beauty of Grace series and other messages brought to you through Covenant Truth Ministries. God bless you today. In Jesus' name, amen.